This is the Retail Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on market scale. On that third mega trend, where consumers really have taken over the shopping channel, they're walking into stores a lot more informed. We don't hide from the fact that retail is difficult. You know, every day is a challenge, but that excites the customer. They love that. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Market Scale Retail Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. We've seen pretty tangibly how the advertising space has evolved in just the last decade. We can really feel it in the retail space and even beyond at how companies approach advertising and content marketing. Consumers want personalized experiences, and ads have to reflect that need for not just deals and brand establishing, but for content. So, how is the digital media landscape continuing to encourage creative uses for? Or methods to deliver engaging advertisement and content. To dig in, we're going to chat with Cedric Laurie, director of digital development for Freedom Pay. Cedric, great to have you on the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Daniel. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you again for joining us and、uh, for helping us break down this idea of advertising needing to adapt to the mediums that consumers. Are basically consuming their content from. So before you were at Freedom Pay, you had the pleasure of working at Comcast in their Spotlight division, selling digital media solutions to local and national businesses alike. And I feel like in your time there, you really had a chance to feel the effects of how important branded content was for these companies. But really, I think you also got a feel for that shift that was pulling away from TV and going toward digital or omni-channel content, and therefore. You know, pulling in that direction for advertising as well. So, in summary, I wanted to get your insight on what do you feel like you learned about the nature of advertising in today's world during your time at Comcast? Yeah, it's a very good question. So, I had、uh, the fortunate timing where I was coming on board at Comcast right at the tipping point when consumer media habits were starting to change. And what I mean is that traditionally you would have A television, you would have everyone in the room, and they would watch prime time from 7 p.m. to midnight. And what we found was that with the boom of technology and just the outlets of people being able to consume media on different platforms, now their media habits were starting to shift. And so Comcast really had to adapt because, especially for someone selling advertising on traditional television, this wasn't going to be the way to go into the future. And so, fortunately. Uh, being part of you know a large enterprise like Comcast, they started to develop the technology that now we know as commonplace as being on demand. And so, what started off as a traditional television sale really grew to be what you spoke about, which is this whole digital media world. Where now, you know, prime time is every time. It's whenever we want it to be because with on demand and with binge watching, we can call up on. Various different pieces of technology, all of these episodes that we used to consume traditionally. So that was really what I learned is just the the fact that it's not about the technology being catered to, but now, especially with marketers today, they really have to cater to the end user, and we really have to be able to meet the consumer on their level and whenever they want to actually、uh, receive any kind of media. Right. Well, and I mean, playing off of what you said. The end user is consuming media at every single point、uh, during their day. I mean, on their phone, on their computer, while they're walking to and from work, while they're driving to and from work.、Um, all the digital signage that is pumping content and advertising in their face. I mean, it's kind of hard to avoid it.、Um, and I think 
digital marketers and advertisers today need to realize that they need to be creating content that's going to be hitting people 24-7 or is going to be reaching people any way that they consume their media, whether it's written, whether it's auditory, whether it is uh, digital media like videos on YouTube or videos on other streaming platforms like Netflix, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the, the, the options are kind of limitless, which is, I think, both the blessing and the curse. I couldn't have said it better myself. It's definitely, it's great for a consumer to have options in technology. And we live in such a connected world where we have access to, you know, terabytes of information. But by the same token, the flip side of that is if your job is the marketer or the new brand trying to get your name out there, it becomes increasingly difficult because there are so many options to reach people. And then it becomes a game of, well, how do I optimize my campaigns? And what is the most effective way? And am I even reaching them in the way that I intended? And I'm sure we'll get into things like brand integrity and advertising fraud later, because it's these pitfalls that we've seen in the advertising industry that make it increasingly difficult for the digital marketer to really be effective at their job and help their brand. Right. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that was my next point. Um, I mean, really what we're seeing is digital media, like you said, it is the norm. And if businesses are trying to reach their target audience, they need to be on social. You know, they need to be creating engaging content for people to interact with. And if they're not, they're going to be left behind. It doesn't matter if you're a B2B company or a B2C company. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not a cakewalk either to master those digital landscapes, which makes it especially difficult because... It's a requirement, but not everyone knows the best foot forward. You know, how do you actually take advantage of these digital mediums and create content people are going to interact with or, or that they're going to respond positively to? So what have you seen as the biggest pitfalls for businesses, big or small, B2B or B2C, um, as they try their hand at digital advertising? And why do you think those pitfalls that you're going to bring up are the ones that are most common? Uh, that's a, Ooh, I could go down the rabbit hole here. It's a, very I know, good right. Question. It's, <laughs> it's a you, deep one, right? What do you focus on? So uh, there's multiple facets to this. Um, as far you already brought up this point, but reaching someone on across various platforms, there's a term called uh, multi-channel, which is almost as if you use the same kind of marketing strategy for reaching someone on a mobile phone that you do reaching them on television. And you're reaching people in a different way. It's a different environment, even though it's still video and it's sight, sound, and motion. It's still very different. These marketers believe that maybe they can just do a campaign effectively and quickly by placing the same kind of messaging across various platforms and just blasting it out. And that's the multi-channel approach. And what's more effective is an omni-channel approach where you're actually using the different platforms to play off of each other and affect a consumer in a much more kind of holistic approach. Um, as far as, you know, the major, the big elephant in the room, advertising fraud in the digital world is, it's wild. It's everywhere. It's actually, I read an article that said that uh, as far as dollars lost, it's, as and crime, it's second to the drug trade at this point. So it's <laughs> it's a massive problem. Yikes. And yeah, and, it, and it's worldwide. I think in the U.S. alone, I think the statistic was in 2016 that overall about $16 billion uh, were said to be lost. And it, it's very quickly growing. So um, you know, these are staggering numbers. So again, as a marketer, if you have a certain budget and because of things like advertising fraud, you're not even really getting your messaging out to the intended, uh, you know, endpoint, that makes it increasingly difficult to have an effective campaign that really drives business forward. Right. Uh, break down 
how advertising fraud even happens and um, you know how it affects people in unsuspecting ways. Yeah, that, that's a that's a great question, and there are a variety of ways. Uh, there are some popular ways, which there are things online called ad networks, where essentially, if I am a marketer, I can go to um, you know a website and exchange to buy impressions for advertisements. And if I'm trying to hit a certain audience, like let's say young men uh, who enjoy playing golf, I can use these ad networks to essentially target them because they have partnered up with websites that have shown that they get high traffic from that specific audience. The problem is that if I want to commit some type of fraud, a lot of these ad networks really seek out websites based on their traffic levels. So if I could create a website that seemed to have high traffic from a specific audience, I could get picked up by an ad network and an unsuspecting marketer could purchase impressions from my website, which is a completely bogus website. And the way that they actually generate the traffic is through things called bots, which are you know, not users that are actually human. It's, it's simply you know, robot users, if you will, that seem to mimic the behaviors of human users. And so you can mimic a very high traffic website and you can serve up these impressions that nobody is actually seeing except for these bots and you get paid for it. So it's a, you know, unfortunately, it's a very lucrative uh, opportunity for uh, these criminals to effectively, you know, bring in dollars that uh, they shouldn't be getting in the first place. Right, which is, uh, which is difficult for the digital marketer that's trying to do it the authentic way, right? I mean, it kind of, kind of soils the, the, the pool. It, it makes the job difficult for everyone else involved. Absolutely. And if you think about that's just step one, if you're trying to effectively get your campaign running and right off the bat, you've already lost a piece of your budget, you know, it really handcuffs you and severely impacts the effectiveness of the overall campaign. So I think what's nice is that the industry has recognized how large of a problem the advertising fraud is. And so now they're starting to take into their hands, you know, increasing uh, stringent uh, ideals on things like metrics and just making sure that you get a valuable type of ROI metric going so that you can really start to determine the effectiveness of various different channels for advertising. So it's starting to change. There's definitely companies out there to help kind of siphon out a true user from a bot user, but uh, it's still very much a problem. So that's, I would say that's the major pitfall in the digital world as compared to, you know, your more traditional uh, forms of advertising. But uh, there's, there's a few out there that make it, uh, you know, I certainly feel <laughs> for the digital marketer. It's an increasingly difficult task and it's very much as much a science as it is an art. Right. And I think often that's the part that's forgotten is the art side of it. I think sometimes people do get caught up too much in the minutia of the tasks and feeling like, okay, I'm reaching this number, I'm reaching that number. But at the end of the day, reaching someone authentically through advertisement needs to come in an artful way or a way that feels more human than, um, you know, phoned in. Absolutely. I'm sure everyone has gone on various websites and they might have gone to different websites the next day and they start to see advertisements from the sites from the previous day and it almost seems like they're following you which if the, <laughs> yeah. if the intention of the advertisement is to get recall and to get you to you know really take action on that advertisement that that is a strategy to really hammer someone and get that frequency high but i think you know like what you're saying it's more about the experience and really getting a topical ad that resonates with someone and that's where we're starting to find that now you're seeing a lot more experiential type uh, of advertisements coming where, you know, a brand will come into a certain platform and really take over it and deliver something much more unique and special rather than just blast, you know, as far and wide as they can 
millions of impressions. So, yeah, obviously the fraud is a a brutal roadblock there that's affecting the digital marketer. But, you know, I think more intrinsically to the job of advertising, what the consumer expects from their ads is another big roadblock and something that challenges today's digital marketer. So I wanted to get your insight, um, having worked at Freedom Pay and you know, worked with several clients to understand what their audience wants in a very general sense, how are consumers expecting to get their ads? How do they want to be sold to? And really, what kind of content are they looking for? Yeah, that's a very good question. So I think that, again, the industry has changed and is really starting to come a long way to say that, you know what, it's not good enough to just have a target audience for a brand be adults 25 to 54, because what we're finding is that there's so many differences, even between you and I, we have different behaviors, likes and dislikes. And so now they need to step beyond your traditional age demographics and really step into the future of looking at psychographics and how behaviors change with a consumer. And that's the first step in really starting to resonate with that consumer is targeting them in a more customized, tailored fashion with an advertisement that's really topical to them. And so going beyond the adult 25 to 54 and now saying, you know, I need to hit a male who's 25 to 30, uh, attended a higher education institution and has a job and has a household income of X is much more the order of the day. And so that's the way that we are finding people resonate more with ads and really uh, capitalize on converting them into a new sale is when you can really target their likes and dislikes. And, you know, I'm sure we'll get into this. This is kind of where Freedom Pay steps in, because what we do is at the gateway level, at a payment device at a venue, we secure payments. And what I was specifically brought on to do was to roll out our new enterprise advertising platform, where now if you're standing at a point of sale and you're ready to insert your credit card and complete that transaction on those payment devices, there's a very interesting window of opportunity where someone has full focus, hasn't completed the transaction, and you can place a very topical advertisement to help, to help upsell them. Or we have clients that are uh, using it to actually facilitate a different payment method. So if you think about someone using a certain credit card, but there's maybe an incentive or just a reason or just a basic message to say, hey, we accept this form of payment, we're finding that this very much can affect uh, and influence a consumer at that time. Yeah, I mean, I could see this being especially crucial to small businesses that are trying to stay afloat in the kind of death of the brick and mortar era, which is, you know, a little dramatic because uh, I think we still see a lot of value in brick and mortar stores, um, but they need to be a little more experience focused and they need to be focused on providing something special for the consumer because if they can just buy the same product online and it doesn't really affect them either way, if they go into the store or not, then they're not doing their job right. Um, you know, they need to provide something that feels special, feels authentic, human. Um, so how have you seen clients utilize this platform that Freedom Pay is providing, that point of sale content initiative in a way that does feel authentic and doesn't feel like hey, we're trying to sell you something more, but you know it feels almost integrated to the experience and has been beneficial for some of those smaller businesses or maybe even some of your more enterprise clients. Yeah, uh, great question. So uh, the platform is called Decision Point Network. And so the way that we have successfully, uh, like you said, kind of resonated almost 
hinted at advertisements without it being so blatantly obvious is that we're fortunate in that we come in at the point of sale when someone is ready to, to uh, transact. So we, if we're thinking about the consumer journey, we're really at the bottom of that funnel when someone is you know, about to make a transaction and is in the mindset of already being ready to pay for something. So the nice thing is just from kind of a psychological aspect, it's not like I'm sitting on my computer in the office and I see an advertisement for an event to buy tickets for in a few weeks or to buy you know, a food and beverage uh, type product. So you're there and you're already kind of predisposed to being about to purchase something. So that's one way. But to really kind of drive it home is through our loyalty engine. Uh, it's our uh, value-added services. And what that essentially does in a nutshell is it allows us to take our decision point advertising platform and integrate that with the vast amounts of data that we have uh, at the point of sale. And specifically what happens is in real time, we're able to use our promotions engine to be able to serve real time promotions, offers that really cater to that individual. And when we combine that with Decision Point Network, it allows for upselling and it makes it a much more intimate, you know, meaningful experience to the consumer because, because we know how they transact. So if I know that you, you know, buy coffees on a regular basis and now our merchants have the ability to create promotions surrounding that think of like a digital punch card you're really just providing advertisements and offers to someone who you know already has that interest in purchasing it so it's not like i'm being served an ad for a product that i've never heard of i'm not there's no chance i'm going to buy it and i really don't have any interest in this really capitalizes on data and so it kind of combines the art that we talked about with the background of the science which is fantastic, right? I mean, if a a consumer doesn't know they're being sold to and or at least they see they're being sold to, but it feels like, oh, wow, they're helping me, right? If, if the business can make the consumer feel like they're being assisted or the business is providing them a service or a product that they were already in search of or they were craving or, you know, they had an, uh, an affinity for then they're doing their job right and uh, then they're advertising correctly. You're absolutely right. And it's interesting because what we're finding is that as uh, we bring on more clients and advertisers into Decision Point Network, we find that they're using it in a whole new set of strategies that you know we hadn't initially thought of. And for example, uh, so you're familiar with the different kinds of uh, payments like the Apple Pays and the Google Pays of the world? Right. So uh, what they want to do is Apparently, in uh, the payments industry, those types of payments, which are called uh, NFC payments, they only uh, make up a very small percentage of total payments as a whole. So people are still very much using traditional credit cards. And one reason for that is really just a matter of education. And if someone doesn't see some type of signage or notification that a form of payment is accepted, they don't assume it's accepted. They assume that it's not accepted. And so they err on the side of caution just because they don't want to spend more time than they have to completing a transaction because maybe they're at the football game and they want to get back to the game. So no surprise there. So something as simple as just putting digital signage at that point of sale that a form of payment is accepted, we've done case studies that show significant boosts in adoption of that payment. And so it's something as simple as that that now is a major differentiator for these huge enterprises. And so they unsurprisingly have come to the table very quickly because they see the value of it. And so that's just one of you know a few different strategies that we've, we've used to both help the advertiser, but also if you think about it, it helps the merchant out because 
our clients begin with those brick and mortar merchants. They're the ones paying for the payment devices. And so they're our clients. They are very excited about Decision Point Network because if we talk about this Apple Pay or Google Pay type scenario, what you have is people also going through the lines faster, which means that the merchant doesn't have these long lines and people are actually getting an overall better consumer experience. So Decision Point Network offers a lot more than just a simple digital advertisement. It allows for our merchants to really take advantage of their business and be able to guide the consumer in different ways, as well as have incoming advertisers come in for new partnerships. Earlier, you mentioned omni-channel versus multi-channel, and that just the idea of utilizing every platform the same way and pumping out the same content gets repetitive and actually turns customers off to wanting to engage with your brand or your business. Um, it sounds like this kind of technology that Freedom Pay is offering, Decision Point Network, really emphasizes omni-channel um, because it plays off of the rest of the experience. Tell me a bit about how the content that could be seen on something like Decision Point Network plays off of other content that a consumer might have experience on an app um, that has to do with a business, maybe on digital signage that they experienced while in the store, maybe while they were browsing online. Yeah, fill me in on, on how it really interacts with all the other content that they're being um, exposed to. Yeah, that's a good question. So it really comes down to what their uh, consumer behavior is as far as transacting, uh, you know, that day and previously. And what I mean is that uh, for something to truly be omnichannel, the, a good kind of use case example of omnichannel is let's say you're on a website and you're purchasing something uh, from a retailer. That retailer has brick and mortar establishments as well. You go on the website, but you want to pick it up in store. Those are two different channels, but they're playing off of each other because you order it online and then you pick it up in store. So that's an example of omni-channel because they're both working together. The store didn't know that you actually wanted to make a purchase online and that you actually ordered something, except that everything was talking to each other. And so you can see how it's a much more streamlined experience for the consumer. You're meeting them on their terms, allowing them to transact however they want and essentially take them through the consumer journey. So Decision Point is similar to that facet because you're not, you don't just have to see these advertisements and really capitalize on them at the point of sale in person. We can expand this to things like mobile applications and the e-commerce world. And so it's really to get this full kind of 360-degree view of the consumer, know how their transactions uh, are facilitated both online, in person, you know, across mobile, and really taking all these channels and creating a very streamlined and optimized uh, marketing platform around that. Well, Cedric, I'd like to thank you for joining us on the podcast and giving us more insight on the digital media landscape and how advertising is shifting and how the digital marketers that are in charge of getting that advertising across need to adjust where they get the content to and what kind of content they produce. Uh, just to really end things on a tip kind of note, uh, what would you say is the one biggest takeaway for digital marketers uh, as they listen to this podcast and as they look to implement great advertising practices to their businesses? You know, if you had to summarize everything down to like the one, the one biggest point, right? <laughs> I know that's tough, but, but let's say, let's say you had to. Yeah, no, I think that it's a few things. And first, let me start by just saying thank you, Daniel. It was an absolute uh, pleasure to be on here with you. Uh, I think that as either a digital marketer who's just coming into the industry or someone who just wants to get better, I think the first thing, you know, we've talked a few times about how 
the digital advertising landscape is both an art and a science. I would start with science aspect in that because there's so many options out there when starting that campaign or really starting to entertain the thought of trying a new technology for advertising, making sure that there are those metrics behind it. And, you know, there's different levels of data. And uh, so first party data is the greatest just because it's from the side of that platform really being uh, the generator of the data. Just making sure that whatever channel you use really has a good type of ROI system or metrics behind it so that you can at least get some type of semblance that you're not just throwing your budget into kind of a leap of faith. But uh, not only that, but uh, really trying to talk about the end user, you know, not thinking as much about the vehicle to get an advertisement out into the ether, but much more about what is the the end case and, and how is someone really going to react with that and making sure that you know the target audience that you're trying to go after and making sure that that digital media asset can really get there. I love it. Well, Cedric, thank you so much for joining us again. It was a pleasure getting to chat, and I'm looking forward to bringing you back on for more insight as the digital landscape continues to change because, I mean, let's be honest here, things do not stay the same in digital media or digital advertising for too long. There's always some next-level shift that pushes the industry forward, so we'll definitely be in touch for whenever that happens. But till then, again, thanks for joining us. All right, looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Daniel. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode. And if you like what you heard and would like to listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.